The Blaze Radio Network. On demand. Irishman stands with America. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. Hello, America. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I really appreciate it. Hope you're having a wonderful, relaxing weekend. Congratulations to the Super Bowl champions, the Philadelphia Eagles. I didn't watch, I didn't see one highlight of the game, but um, obviously uh, my colleague Stu is incredibly happy. We have a jam-packed show for you today. I want to talk to you about the Super Bowl, but not about the actual game. I want to talk to you about what happened after the Super Bowl and what the reaction online was to it. I want to talk to you about military parades, and I also want to talk to you about your economy and what's happening and what's happened this week and what you've seen in, in cryptocurrencies having major issues. You've seen the Dow obviously not have a good weekend, or a good week, sorry. You've seen major issues with your government. And I want to try and break it down into and give you an example of what's happening right now and what the challenges are. But that's for later in the show. I want to start today's show by by sharing a confession with you. Um, you know, I got... If you if you listen to Glenn's show this week, um, he had a really interesting show one of the days where he said people don't share the the bad side of what's going on in their lives; they only share the, the positive side. They only share when things are going right. They have these these great pictures of you know, look at my life; it's so perfect. Well, I'm one of those people. I believe that when I'm on social media or when I'm on this, especially when I'm on this show. That it's my job, quote unquote, and I use that word very loosely. Job is to to be happy, to be positive, to talk to you about principles, to to you know make out the case. And I do research on all the topics I talk about, and I I try and be as factual and as direct, and I try and break them down to the principles. And even when I'm feeling really crap, I, I come on this show, and I don't know whether it comes across or not, but I always try and and you know put your best foot forward. Well, today I want to be honest with you. I want to have an honest conversation with you because I'll be honest, I'm struggling not to get bitter right now. I'm really struggling not to get bitter. I'm watching your country from a distance and I'm watching your culture do stuff I don't think it should be doing. And it's happening on all sides. And the issue I'm going to talk to you about is immigration. Because this issue is killing me inside, I gotta be honest. When I when I it's getting really hard for me to even read an article about this issue because I see your culture, I see your politicians on all sides of the aisles. Just honestly, just reward illegal behaviour. I want to talk to you about some of the stuff I've heard over the last couple of weeks and I apologize if I get emotional or if I kinda of lose it because 
I, I just don't get, and these, this is not a, this is, it's easy to sit in here and go, well, this is the Democrats, John, the Democrats. I'm going to talk to you about some of the words I've heard Republicans and conservatives talk about and use. And I want to start with the first one that I hear time and time again, and it pees me off constantly. America is a compassionate nation. We should show compassion to these guys. Look, they just need compassion. Look, and especially these kids. Look, they did nothing wrong. We need to show them compassion. America's not a, a cold nation that just throws people out. We need to show compassion to these people. Okay, first off, factually, America's one of the most compassionate nations in the world. Factually, there's no way you can, you can, you can dispute this. When it, whether it's whether it's on time, whether it's on money, whether it's on on making the world a better place, whether it's making the world safer, there is no dispute unless you're an ideologue um, who doesn't base their ideal ideals on facts. America's made the world a better place. There is no disputing this. America has showed compassion to many people. It shouldn't have shown compassion to maybe. You look at what America did in post-World War II. There were some Germans that you probably could say, you shouldn't have shown compassion to. You did. There were people who turned their backs on what happened in World War II Germany. America welcomed them. Said, look, that was the past. Come on over. The question isn't whether America should be compassionate or not. Because it is a compassionate nation. The question is, who do you show compassion to? I am so frustrated right now because I know my dream is dead. But there are over 5 million people who are trying to do things the right way. There are millions of people in America who are there legally who have done things the right way. And I feel so frustrated for them. Because it's not about who, whether you should be compassionate or not. The question is, who do you show compassion to? Right now, your politicians, both Republicans and Democrats, regardless of what letter you have beside your name, regardless of all the talking heads in the media, regardless of what the media report, it's all a narrative of, well, those who broke the law are the only people who want to get into America legally. They're the only people we should discuss. They're the only people we acknowledge. They're the only people who exist, and no one else does, and they're all dead to you. What about the people who want to do things the right way? I'd ask you a question, and don't make this about me, make this about a general point. Getting into America is incredibly expensive. The people who spent, who worked hard, who saved, who did things the right way, who paid all the lawyers, who paid your government all the money for each stupid law that you have, of all these forms you have to fill in, who spent time, if you, you know, of all the questions and the invasive questions you have, if you decide to get married and you want to marry an American citizen, you have to be you have to answer questions to a government official about what type of underwear your wife wears to prove that you're not you're actually married and that you love her and that you live her that it's not just a marriage of convenience. It is a lot of things. Is America worth it? Absolutely. It's why so many people go through it. But there is no compassion for the people who have gone through that. And are going through that right now. And may potentially be rejected. But all of a sudden. It's compassionate to be people. Who just said you know what. Screw America. I'm just going there legally. America owes me. 
Now you have to show compassion to those who said, I don't care. Really? This is the narrative that you're seeing from your media, from your politicians, from your talking heads. No one else talks about, hey, what about the people who are waiting in line? You know, because I'm this line of, well, they just acted out of love. Really? What about the, what did the people do? If people who said, you know what, I don't care about American law, I'm just going there, or I go legally and then I overstay my visa, if they act out of love, what do the people who are sitting in line going through those forms, who are going through all those meetings with lawyers to get there, to find a way to get there legally, to make their life better, what are they acting out of? It's so frustrating because this week you had a grandstand politician stand for eight hours. Eight hours. Oh my God, isn't she wonderful? Eight whole hours stood in Congress. And we need to, we need to show compassion. We, we need to stand up for these dreamers. Where's the politician? I know that was Nancy Pelosi and that's a Democrat. Where's the politician standing for eight hours? Heck, I'll even go ten minutes highlighting the plight of the illegal immigrant. Who did things the right way or who wants to do things the right way? Where's the politician standing for that? Where is Mike Lee? Where is Ted Cruz? Where is Luke? all these conservative leaders who are supposed to, oh, we care about legal immigration? Yeah, right. Where are you standing? What are you doing? This week, I lost my mind. For two reasons on one quote. In case you didn't hear, Michael Kelly, who's Donald Trump's chief of staff, got lambasted in the media this week. Because he dare say, if you if you didn't actually read his speech and you didn't actually read his words and his comments, sorry, it wasn't a speech, if you didn't actually read his quote, this is what you heard. The Donald President Trump's chief of staff said DACA recipients were lazy. They couldn't be bothered to get off their ass. Of all the people, of all 1.8 million people, not one of them is lazy. Not one of them is lazy. Not one of them went, you know what? Uh, uh, I, I got I got, I got to fill in a form and I got to go see and I got to and I got to go and I, and I got to deal with those government and I got to speak English and and I got to deal with I, I just I can't be bothered. Not one one person said that. This culture in America where if you dare say anything about a DACA recipient or an illegal immigrant, not one of them can be bad. Not one of them can have any bad quality. They're just the most humble, honest, God-fearing, you know, principled, loving, caring individuals that have ever existed in the world. You have this system, this culture, where you cannot, it's like the 11th commandment, thou shalt not speak ill of an illegal immigrant. But of your fellow Americans, oh yeah, they're white trash. Oh, they're just a, they're just a, a right wing, they're just a teabagger. They're just an ideologue. They're just a fascist. They're just a racist. They're just a homophobe. They're just a bigot. But, oh, no, 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 no. You can't dare say one illegal immigrant is, is lazy. No, God, you. what are you? 
this culture of your politicians and your media, you cannot say anything bad about people who are not Americans. But if you're an American, oh, it's open season. You can say anything you want. But also, deeper in that quote, if you actually read his whole quote, I lost my mind for a second time because I, I saw the media outrage and I went, huh, that doesn't seem like the best thing to say. And then I actually read what he said and I went, I would have phrased it different. I wouldn't have said, get off your ass. I wouldn't have said lazy. I would have phrased it slightly different. But, you know, at the end of the day, that's semantics to some people. They don't care about how you word things. We've, we've learned this lesson time and time again. I would have worded it different, but I'm not a politician, so I, I tend to speak differently anyway. But when I read the whole comment, I lost my mind for a second time. And yes, if you support Donald Trump, you're not going to like what I'm about to say. I lost my mind because in that quote, and I quote, Donald Trump is now the champion for DACA recipients. This is the world we live in. The candidate who arguably was the most, I don't like using the word anti-immigrant, because he wasn't anti-immigrant. He was anti-illegal immigration. The candidate who was more vehemently supportive of building a wall, of standing up against illegal immigration, is now the champion, less than two years later, for DACA recipients. This is the culture we live in. I don't, know, I don't know Donald Trump. I've never met him, nor do I particularly want to meet him because I don't want to meet any politicians. I don't know whether he truly believed what he said on the campaign or if he was, if he was advised to say it or he, you know, he was listening to his advisors like Ann Coulter. But it's amazing the change people have when they get elected. Even those who are supposed to support legal immigration go either silent or they change when they get to D.C. It's amazing. I also heard your former president, George Bush, this week commenting on DACA and, and things. And one of the quotes was, they do Americans, jobs Americans won't do. So we should just say welcome and thank you. This blurry line of, okay, let's just say for a minute that Americans won't do the jobs that those people will do. Okay, let's just say that's 100% factually true. And to be honest, there is some merit to that claim. There is some merit to that claim. But what's so frustrating is, it's amazing to me that you have a system where, if you believe that no American will do, you know, pick the lettuce and, and, and do all those manual labors and do the, you know, the, the cleaning jobs and, and be the nannies, if, you, if that's 100% true, even if study after study shoot, it was 100% true, there is some merit to it, but it's not 100% true. There are plenty of Americans who do those, do those jobs. If you believe it, then argue for more legal immigration. Say, you know what, we have all these jobs, they're seasonal jobs or they're all year round jobs. Let's just set up a system where you can apply cheaply and quickly for those jobs that Americans won't do. And say welcome and thank you to those people. But this blurring of the lines between saying, well, you should do things the right way and come into the country legally and, well, look, they're here legally, but they're doing jobs Americans won't do because they act noble and they're all just so good people. I'm sick and tired of the narrative being shared by everyone on the left, on the right, and the politicians. And no one highlighting the plight of the legal immigrant. 
No one highlighting the cost that people had. The legal immigrants who were there. I don't know their situation. But I would say the chances are, if you're there legally right now, I would say you've spent at least six months of your life trying to get there. You've probably spent at least $10,000. And you've probably answered some very impersonal, uncomfortable questions to a government bureaucrat. And yes, thank you for that. You're never going to be mentioned. We're just going to focus in on those who went illegally. He went, you know what? I don't want to spend six months of my life waiting. I don't want to spend the $10,000. I'm just going to go there legally. What also drives me out of my mind is every time I hear these amnesty plans, it's amazing to me. You know, well, you know, we have to give amnesty to these people. You know, what, what we're going to do is we're going to give amnesty to them. We're going to forgive the, the, them breaking the law of going into the country legally. But once they pay their back taxes, you know, heaven forbid the IRS loses out. You know, we, we, we don't mind turning a blind eye to you coming into our country illegally. But, you know, you, you have to pay your back taxes. We, you know, we overlook one law, but, you know, not paying your taxes, not paying your fair share is something we just won't overlook. The double standards are amazing to me. But I want to talk to you about for a minute, if you'll bear with me and indulge me. Because people always tell me, you know, liberals, they're great at pulling on the heartstrings. You know, they shared the feelings of it. Well, I'm going to share some of my feelings with you and make this very personal. Something I don't do very often. I've had a 25-year love affair with America. And maybe this was never the case, or maybe this was just some tagline. You know, some people have told me, you just believed a lie. Maybe that's true. I hope it's not. I don't think it is, but maybe it's true. I believe the line of, in America, if you did the right thing, you worked hard, you played by the rules, while you might not get rewarded today or tomorrow, you will get rewarded down the line. I always believe that. I've done the right thing. I've followed every law that I know of. I've worked hard. I'll even add one extra in there. I've worked for free. You know, everything I do, I do for free. I, I don't earn money from this show. Would I like to? Sure, but I don't. When I was other doing other jobs, I did it for free. When I do writing, I do it for free. Last year when I did a speaking tour, I did it for free and on my own dime. I'm not complaining. I'm just saying I, I played by the rules and I went the extra mile. My reward is to be rejected. And to be forgotten. But my reward also is to be slapped in the face every time one of your politicians of both sides of the aisle speak. Because here's how I really feel. I don't live a bad life in Ireland. I don't, have, I don't live on the streets. I, I have a house. We live in a house together. I have access to the internet. I have warmth. I have heat. I have food. But I haven't had a full-time job in six years. Economy sucks. Also, I don't know how much of this is attributed. I'm not a victim, so I don't pay attention to it. But I have to believe at least some of the reason I'm not full-time employed is because if you do a Google search of my name, six of the first eight searches come up with my work. My social media, my website, my speeches, my show here. 
You see pictures of me with Glenn Beck. You see pictures of me at rallies with the big common, um, the Gadsden flag. Some of that has to be some of it. My beliefs are not exactly popular in my own household, let alone in potential employers. But how I feel is I've been condemned to a pretty much a life sentence in prison in a place I don't want to be. And the only way I have any chance of getting out of there is by doing what I would deem immoral. I either say, you know what, America owes me, and I go there illegally, which people tell me to do all the time. It's amazing. Even conservatives say, just, just, I'll meet you at the border. Just come across. We'll, we'll, we'll sort everything out. It's just not me. It's not who I am. Two wrongs don't make a right. Just because you slap me in the face and you constantly do it, doesn't mean I then have the right to turn around and say, well, look, you know what? They owe me. Because you don't. Or the other one is, well, just marry someone, John. Just just, just go marry some broad and, and, and get your papers and you'll be fine. And then, you know, after a couple of years, divorce her. You know, and look, if you need some money, we can put some money together for you, you know, just so, you know, it's financially beneficial to her. Marriage is something serious to me. It's, 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 a, it's a system where you come before God. I need to say government there. You come before God and you declare your love for each other and it's a lifetime commitment. Sorry, I'm one of those religious people, even though I don't have a religion, who actually believes marriage is something more than a piece of paper. They're my two choices. Or I can accept my faith and stay over here. But this is where I turn everything I've said, where I've kind of made it about me, onto you. And on to America. What America do you want to live in? Do you want to live in the world where whether it existed in the past or not is irrelevant? Going forward, do you want to live in an America where if you do the right thing and you follow the laws and you work hard, you have a good chance of being successful? Of making a better life for yourself? Is that an America you want to live in? Or do you want to live in America where, sure, some people will do the right thing and and work hard and and play by the rules and they might get ahead, but there's also going to be a fair chunk of people who don't do the right thing, don't follow the rules, and they'll get rewarded. And not only will they get rewarded, because I'm not not a fool. I know some people do bad things and live a life full of luxury. I'm fully aware of that. But what is society's response to that? Should they be celebrated? Should they be heroed? Should they be a protected class? Oh, you can't say anything about those people. You dare? You said they're lazy. You said they're lazy. Oh my God! You 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 you're some type of wicked person. What America do you want to live in? I can only hope that enough of you rise up. And regardless of the politician, regardless of the media, regardless of whether they agree with you on issues or some of the issues or all of the issues, but that you rise up and say, no, America should be a country where, yes, we are compassionate, but we are compassionate to the right people. We are compassionate to those who want to play by the rules, who want to make America a better place, and who are not just there to, to get a job, but who are there to integrate into your society. 
Just something to think about. When we come back, I want to talk to you about the Super Bowl and the reaction to what happened after the Super Bowl. Don't go anywhere, America. I'll be right back. Freedom versus freebies. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. The Morning Blaze with Doc Thompson. The teacher crossed the word men off of the Declaration of Independence. It is not within your right as a teacher to teach something that is inaccurate. They did not mean it to exclude women at the time. It was the default. It meant all people. And if you don't know that as a teacher, then you are incapable of teaching the truth. You clearly are missing the overall meaning of all men are created equal. The Morning Blaze. Weekday morning, 6 to 9 Eastern. On the Blaze Radio Network. Freedom's Disciple On Demand On the Blaze Radio Network Thank you so much for sticking with me, America I want to talk to you about the Super Bowl Um, In precision, what actually happened post-Super Bowl And the reaction to it So in case you've been living under a rock or you just haven't, you've been like me and not supporting the NFL all year. The Super Bowl happened last weekend. New England Patriots versus the Philadelphia Eagles. Philadelphia Eagles won. I can't even tell you the score. I think it was a high scoring game, but I, don't quote me on that. Eagles won. What happens when the Philadelphia Eagles win the Super Bowl? Well,. I didn't really care either way, to be honest, full disclosure. I, I was happy for Stu, I will say that, because he's been an Eagles fan a long, long time, and hey, you know what? You know, it's not easy being an Eagles fan. It hasn't been easy being an Eagles fan. So, I, you know, every, day, every dog has its day. Um, Stu and the Eagles have had theirs, and they can go back to doing what they do best for a long time. But if you followed the news or you didn't see the news, there was a lot of destruction in Philly Sunday night. Because they won the Super Bowl. Yeah, let's go destroy some property. I don't even want to focus in on that because it's redundant. I can't say anything that you haven't heard already before about what happened. It was despicable. It was horrific. I don't get you won the Super Bowl. Yeah. Let's go destroy some property. I don't understand that attitude. But what I do want to talk to you about is the reaction to it. Because I was on Twitter on Monday, and I was following what was going on, and I was following the reaction. And Twitter is wonderful because you actually can see what people who you don't follow, who are you know left or right or, or independent or top or bottom or all over the place, can, are saying to certain events, who you have never seen and never will see likely see again. You get to see the reaction. And the reaction from our friends on the left was, Welcome to Donald Trump's America. Which is, if you, if you didn't actually take it seriously, it would be hilariously funny. If you follow some of their logic. So, some of our friends on the left love to say how America sucks. And America is this evil, capitalist, greedy nation, and the founders were slaveholders. And yet, when they talk... It's almost like America was this bastion of just wonderful, lovely people until Donald Trump became president, and now Donald Trump is president. All these things are going wrong. Oh, my God. 
That was the, some of the left's reaction. Our friends on the quote-unquote right, we'll use the language of the day, sure, why not? We're going, well, what would you expect from a city that's run by Democrats? And, and this cool thing, you know, where you know, we emphasize certain words. So we spell Democrats now, capital D, small e, small m, small o, small c, capital R, capital A, capital T, capital S. You see, you get the Democrats. Rats is emphasized at the end. You get it? <laughs> so clever, isn't it? <laughs> People are so smart on social media. It's wonderful. But this is the reaction to it. Now, before we get to what I want to talk to you about, because I want to talk to you and make this a point of there is a difference between causation and correlation. This is something a lot of people need to understand today, because especially in this world where everything becomes political. Oh, someone threw a stone at a building. It has to be politics. This is Donald Trump's America. This is, this is Democratic-run cities. We make everything political. But I want to give you the mindset of some of the people who might have been involved on something. Because there is a lack of, of principle and of courage shown by, I'd say, a good chunk of people who were involved in the riots on Sunday night. And what I'd just do to prove this point to you, or just to explain this to you, is just remember what it was like when you were a kid. Close your eyes for a minute and just, just reminisce about when you were a kid. And, and just remember some of the stories you saw when you were a kid. Let me share some of the ones I had that were prime examples to my life. And you will might see it. I'm sure there was a common pattern, pattern because we're all kids, right? We all think somewhat similar. We're all motivated by similar things. Do you ever go into a, a house and there's this big plate of cookies on the kitchen table, and the person in charge of the adult says, "Don't touch those cookies. Don't touch them. They're not for you or now." Oh, okay, and you don't touch them. And you're like, hmm, that's a nice cookie. I would love me that cookie. Mmm, cookies. But you can't touch them because you've been told not to. And if you get caught with them, you're going to get in trouble. And then someone else comes along and takes a cookie. They, they didn't know the rules. They didn't care about the rules. They just went, hey, cookie, mmm, eat. And the minute you see that person, actually, not, let's be honest, it's not the minute, it's the second. The second you see someone touch them cookies and take one for yourself... It's almost like there was this big thing where it's like, hey, they took a cookie, everyone take a cookie, and you go take one. Because you follow along. Think about when you were a kid of things of peer pressure. They'd say, hey, do this. Hey, you should do this. No, I, I, I can't do that. I, I, it's not me. And I just, I'm going to use this reference because I was actually just watching Back to the Future recently. You know, someone would say, why, you chicken? chicken and then if you're Marty McFly and back to the future nobody calls me chicken and then you do it peer pressure group think it becomes stuff we would never normally do or consider becomes somewhat interesting or or, I don't know seductive or, or you just go with the flow because someone else did it you know I wasn't the only one I just followed the crowd some people are doing that. A lot of people are doing that in the world. You look at politics today, amazing what so many people just follow the crowd. They're not rooted in any principle. It's just what their person says. 
give you a prime example. You want some prime examples of what I just said is true? You research people like, and let's just give you one because they're not in poli- they're not in politics anymore. You research what Harry Reid said in the nineteen nineties. Harry Reid was more conservative than a lot of conservatives today. Harry Reid, without fail, every year it was funny in nineteen nineties would bring up a bill to audit the Fed. You listen to Harry Reid, Harry Reid on illegal immigration back in the nineteen nineties, and compare to what he was before he left Congress last year. And what a lot of the Democratic parties are now. They just go with the crowd. They just follow. It's amazing what happens. You just follow the bouncing ball until you don't know where you are anymore. You go with the flow. You go with the crowd. You go with the popular opinion. So there are some people who just did that in Philly. But I want to talk to you about something called causation versus correlation. Because I look at social media today and I look at at so many events and people don't understand the difference. Causation, and I'm going to give you the actual definition from the dictionary, the action of causing something. Let me give you a very simple one. Very, very simple one. Causation with me going up to you, kind of going, and pushing you in the chest and you thumping me. I caused it. Why did you punch John? He pushed me. Why did, you, why did you give John money? He asked me. Why did you feed John? He was hungry. You, I caused something by my actions or inactions. It's an actual cause. You can say, boom. He did this. It caused this reaction. And I did it. Okay? That's causation. Correlation is where people look at a load of different stats... The actual definition from the dictionary is a mutual relationship or, co- or connection between two or more things. Or the process process of establishing a relationship between two or more things. So what you give, you see all these people do right now is with co- they don't understand the difference in causation and correlation. Is They just go, oh, it's all linked. It's, so it's, uh, it's naturally just a cause. Well, you know, this is Donald Trump's America. That's why people are rioting. Or people are rioting because this is a democratically run city. That is nothing to do with causation. That is a correlation at best. Let me give an example of a correlation. 90% of white males won't live past 85. You see this in scientific research all the time. They don't understand the difference. Causation and correlation. Well, what? So my whiteness caused me to die before I was 85? My whiteness. You see this all the time where, you know, if you eat a certain way, you, I've seen this time and time again with health. People are different. People can eat a large amount of junk food and not put on weight. But yet you'll see all these people going, well, you know, if you, if you, if you, you know, if you eat a load of junk food, you're going to automatically have cancer. You're automatically going to have diabetes. You're going to automatically have higher cholesterol and you're going to die younger. Chances are you may, but it's not a guarantee. It's not a cause. There's a difference between a causation and a correlation. The reaction on social media to the Super Bowl shenanigans that went down in Philadelphia Sunday were not causation. They were a correlation. It just so happens that Donald Trump is president and the riot happened. It just so happened the riot happened in a democratically run city. It has nothing to do with it. Either way. 
I know this is going to annoy some people. Well, of course, the democratic policies, they don't respect private property. Yeah, sure. But a lot of Republicans don't respect private property either. What? Did you just say what I think you said? Republicans don't respect private property? No, they don't. A lot of Republicans like the EPA. The EPA was created by a Republican. The EPA goes into private property and says, Oh, there's water on your land. That's a wetland. That's now protected. Do we need to go over eminent domain again? I don't know many politicians, and this is not uh, on anybody. This is on everyone. I don't know many politicians who speak out vehemently for private property, regardless of the situation. They're always this, well, I'm for private property up until this point, and then it's like, well, these little few other points, these exceptions, these, these exemptions, I'm not comfortable with. We don't believe in private property as a general rule. This has nothing to do with who's in power. This is everything to do with the culture. Do we respect private property? No. Should we? Yes. Should we get to a point where you should not be able to target people because of, of their where they are, because they're a business owner, because they're different to you? Yes. Everyone does it, though. Everyone believes in a class system. In your, and when I say everyone, I'm not focusing on your people. I mean in your politicians. Your politicians focus in on the middle class being the strength of America. Well, then if I'm part of the middle class, I'm more noble than someone who's rich. I have more rights than someone who's rich. No, you don't. What happened was disgraceful. But I believe we also need to get to a point where we don't... Everything does not have to be political. It's not some type of game where we're point scoring constantly trying to get, well, it's our side is more noble. This, you know, if this wasn't a democratically run city, this wouldn't happen. Riots can happen anywhere, even in the most conservative places. It's easily done. Bad people, bad actors with bad intentions come together and then they start something and then other people just follow the crowd who are decent people. They just go along. Because it's easy to go with the flow. Riots can happen anywhere. It's nothing to do with the policies. But also, what we are seeing, and this is gonna, I'm going to touch on this in the next segment as well, is we're seeing there's groupthink out there. Where if you don't have a certain opinion, you're part of the, you're the enemy. You don't see things the way I do. Even if we agree, let's just use the Philadelphia example. I am not your enemy. I think what happened in Philadelphia is 100% wrong. I think it's nothing short of a disgrace, if I'm being honest. But yeah, if I don't go along and say, with my friends on the left who say, well, this is Donald Trump's America, I'm your enemy. We both think the riots were wrong, but because I won't say it's Donald Trump's America, I'm your enemy. To my friends on the right who go, yeah, what happened was wrong. Destruction of private property is never right. Mm -hmm, I agree. But it's, it's, this is what you happen when you have democratically run cities. No, I don't agree with that. I'm part of your enemy as well. We have collective groupthink. Politics has nothing to do with what happened on Sunday night. Bad people doing bad things and people who were either gullible enough, weak enough, or just didn't think enough, or were just drunk, just following the group, is what happened 
on Sunday night. And if we keep getting to a point where we make everything political, everyone is always going to defend their side. And we get nowhere. We can't find a self-evident truth. Because here's the truth. Here's the sad thing about what happened on Sunday night. Regardless of who you voted for in the last election, I would say, and I'm going to go on the low side, 75% of Americans looked at that and kind of went, wow, that's wrong. That's stupid. That, that, that's just wrong. 75%, doesn't matter who they voted for, even if they voted for Hillary Clinton. They're not, they're, people who you vote doesn't change how you think. I've yet to meet a Democrat, and I mean, when I say this, a Democrat who is just a voter, who just goes about their everyday lives, who went, you know what, that destruction of property, that's totally justified. Because they won the Super Bowl, of course they're going to destroy property. It's their right, that's what happens. I don't know Democrats, I know Democrats. I don't know one Democrat who would say that. They'd go, idiots, stupid. Now, I'll be honest, full disclosure, I, know, I do know some Democrats who would say the following, wrong, stupid, this is why you shouldn't be allowed to drink. Or this is why drinks should be banned from sporting occasions. Or, or this is why bar- they would have some law to fix this. Because some of my Democratic friends are the best intentions, but they believe laws solve everything. It's kind of like, you know, if you're following this hilarious debate in America right now about the Tide Pods. I don't know if you heard this story, and it's just on a side point. Two New York congressmen have come up with a bill to make them better packaged and had a warning label and, and make them the same colour and, and a load of different things. And they think this will stop people eating Tide Pods. To my Democratic friends, they have the best intentions, they are good people, but when they see a problem in society, regardless of how big or small the problem is, they just think the new law has to be put in place. If we just put a law in place, that will stop it. And laws always work. They have this, this blind spot where laws are concerned. That's how they think. But when we, t- when we look at something that happened on Sunday night, and we just go, that's wrong, that's bad, cool. We can all agree. But when we start making it into, well, this is Donald Trump's America, and this is cities run by Democrats, everyone stops agreeing on the universal, natural, common sense that this is wrong, and they just split off into their herd, into their side. And all we then have is groupthink. And we don't actually discuss what happened. We don't condemn what happened. What we then do is argue between our sides. And it has not, we're not even discussing what happened. We're discussing about what we think America is. And we're not actually discussing what happened. Again, I asked you this in the first segment. I'll ask it to you again in the second segment. What world and what America do you want to live in? Do you want to live in a world where we talk about causation and actually mean it? Or do we just want to focus in on correlation? Kind of go, well, this is Donald Trump's America. What do you expect? Or this is democratically run cities, what do you expect? Which choice, what country do you want to live in? What do you want to focus on? Do you want to focus on uniting and going, what happened in Philly is wrong? Or do you want to focus in on, let's just all separate into our own groups and we all throw stones at each other. And we won't throw stones or judge or say anything about the people who actually did wrong on Sunday night. We'll just throw stones at each other and just try and kill the other one. Because we have to get them. Because if you dare have a different opinion to me, you're the enemy. 
Choice is yours, America. Which, cho- which choice, what country do you want to live in? When we come back, we're going to discuss something I know is going to annoy a lot of you. And you may never listen to me again after what I'm going to say in the next segment. Don't go anywhere, America. We'll be right back. Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on demand. The Blaze Radio Network. Pat Gray. Ron, in the other room, walks. You walk every day? <clears throat> do you? Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I do. I, I, I walk from my car to here. Thank you. And then I walk from here back to my car. And then here's the thing. Uh-huh. I push it a little bit further. No. When I get home in the garage, I walk from the garage into the house. So you, as long as you can count to 100, you know how many steps you've accomplished in a day without the aid of technology. Yeah, pretty much. Pat Gray. Weekdays from noon to 3 Eastern. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. Freedom's Disciple On Demand On the Blaze Radio Network Thank you so much for sticking with me, America This is the segment of the show where I'm going to annoy you Or I'm going to annoy a chunk of you, I would bet If anything I've seen on social media, this is going to annoy you But I want to just start by just saying something by before I annoy you I'm okay with you disagreeing with me One of the frustrating things I've had, and I've had this for four or five years, is people who engage with me. And if if I say something they like, if if they listen to me talk about the Constitution, or they listen to me talk about American exceptionalism, they love me. They're going, yeah, great, I love you. The minute I say something you don't like, well, you don't just understand America. You, You just don't get it. It's amazing to me. I want to talk to you about a discussion that's happening in America right now about a military parade. And a lot of my friends love it. It's about time we honored the military. It's about time they got their due. Naturally, it's become political because our friends on the left are, well, this is Donald Trump and a dictator. It's showing the world his true colors, and and he's finally showing who he really is. And everything's become political, and if you agree with a military parade, you're conservative, and, and, and you're Republican, and if you disagree with it, you're a liberal Democrat, and you don't like people. I heard one conservative commentator, you know, alienate people who actually think this is a bad idea by going, what is it about all you liberals who disagree with this parade? You're, you're all for a gay pride parade and you're not for a military parade. That's wonderful thinking. That's just so intellectual. But I want to talk to you about a parade. And I want to talk to you about every aspect of it. Full disclosure, I think it's a horrible idea. I actually think not only is it a horrible idea, it might be one of the worst ideas I've heard anyone talk about. Full disclosure. But I'm going to explain. I'm not just going to say why I. I'm not going to say it's a horrible idea and then just. I'm going to back it up. And let's start with the elephant in the room, shall we? The, the, the left's narrative. Well, this proves Donald Trump is a dictator. This proves he's showing his true colors. Does. 
a military parade, Donald Trump and, and the administration and, and all you people, if you're a Republican or conservative, who support this idea, does this mean he's a dictator? No. Again, what did he just speak about in the last segment? Causation and correlation. You don't have a military parade and all of a sudden you become a dictator. You become a dictator because you clamp down on people's civil rights. You, you, you hurt people. You, you make people second-class citizens. You, you take away their freedoms. You control them. That makes you a dictator. You know, I don't know, like someone like North Korea. That's a dictator. However, whether you want to admit it or whether you like it or not, here's the truth. America and the world believes in optics. And a picture paints a thousand words. When you have a military parade, you're automatically in the same sentence. When you have tanks, when you have military, you're sending a message to the world that we're just like North Korea. We're just like China. We're just like Russia. Now, that message can be one of two things. It can be, you're just like them and you're a dictator, which isn't the truth. I just explained why Donald Trump is clearly not a dictator. Or, you're adding legitimacy to what they do. So, from the optics point of view, it is not good. There is nothing to benefit from it. But then I've heard a quote that's been repeated time and time again. And again, I don't pay this too much attention because it's only a, uh, it's an off-the-record quote, I think. It's from Donald Trump himself. It's something along the lines of, and I again, I'm not basing the argument on this, but it just has to be taken into consideration, that he was so impressed with what happened in France and, and Bastille Day, and he loved, quote, the pomp and circumstance of it. There is a lot of people who like pomp and circumstance. If you, even if you just take away the, the military parade, look what happened last week in the State of the Union. That is pomp and circumstance to the fullest degree. That is not an America I recognize. An America that beloves pomp and circumstance is not the America I grew up loving. Maybe it existed, maybe it didn't. I don't know. Maybe I'm living a lie. Or maybe the America I love doesn't, never existed. It just was a fairy tale. Maybe that's true, because there are people who tell me this all the time. Maybe that's true. But I want to focus on where you're going. Why do you need pomp and circumstance? What is it about pomp and circumstance of a king or, or a powerful military that you want? What is it? What is it this need to, to say how great we are? We're just wonderful. I learned a lesson from a very early age. As someone who has been bullied, probably if I, my earliest recollection of bullying was I was about five years old. And I was bullied horrifically by a teacher. And that's a story we'll tell another day. So much so I had to leave the class, that school. So I've been bullied for nearly 30 years in my life. Here's one thing I've learned from bullies. I will never fear the person who says, Oh, John, I'm going to kick, I'm going to beat you up, I'm going I'm to mess you up, I'm going to punch you and I'm going to kick you and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do all these things and I'm, I'm going to find you and I'm going to jump you and I'm going to break your arm and I'm going to break your knee and I'm going to kneecap you. I'm going to do all these things to you. 
I never fear that person. Or the person who acts all tough, who, who puffs their chest out and says, I'll just do all this. Who looks tough. I never fear that person either. The person I usually fear is the person who I know has a problem with me and says absolutely nothing. Because the chances are they are the person who's going to jump me and try and mess me up. The people who talk and try and act tough are usually not very tough. It's all an act. You know the whole expression we used to have, all bark, no bite? It's very true in my experience. But let's just go to the optics because it's clear there's some type of thinking that you're maybe brewing for war with North Korea and this is, this is going to be a response to them. Just let me ask you a question. Have you ever looked at a military parade and went, wow, they're impressive? Have you ever looked at the Russian parades or the Chinese parades or the North Korea parades and gone, wow, we better not mess with them. They, they know how to march and they have all those tanks and, and they look really tough. Heck, I'll go one step further. Did you, when you saw, if you saw the videos of what Iran did in the Gulf a couple of years ago, where they actually got a mock US ship and blew it out of the water. Did you look at that and kind of go, wow, that's impressive. I'm impressed by that. Maybe we should think twice about aggravating Iran. I know, as someone, as someone who has not served, full disclosure, but who has many military friends, I wasn't impressed by any of them. Because here's why. Anyone can look tough in a simulation. Anyone can look tough. It's like the whole saying, and I'm giving you a lot of sayings today. Anyone can have a game plan in a fight. Until you get hit in the face, then the game plan goes out the window. Anyone can act tough. Anyone can sort of look down and strategize for war and kind of go, well, we're going to move this ship here, we're going to do this ship, we're going to fly these planes, we're going to bomb here. Everyone can have the best laid plans in, in war. Until you get hit in the face, and then you have to counter it. Because when you get hit in the face, those plans go out the window. Military parades do nothing. But also, I'll, I'll ask this to my friends on the right, who are conservative, who are okay with this military parade. What has changed in the last couple of years? Because I remember, and I was outraged with you, when people when there was operations like Jade Helm, where we saw... On social media, constant, all these trucks and tanks with the United Nations and American tanks been transported through your thing, through your areas on trains and everyone freaking out. What's changed in the last couple of years? Bar who's the president? It's your guy now, so is, is that the justification for us? What's changed? But also I would ask you, what signal does this send to your kids and your grandkids? Do you really want to live in a country where your kids and your grandkids have seen a tank up front, up close, walking in the street? Is that the world you want them to live in? Is it? And this is only a small argument, but it's an argument that needs to be made. What about the cost? Let me give you an analogy. Imagine your next door neighbor, and you know these facts, has no money, his mortgage is underwater, and when I say it's underwater, in case you don't know it, that's a financial term that we use, it's basically your mortgage that you have to repay is higher than the value of your house. What happens if you've seen them have, there's threats to repossess their cars, 
What happens if you see your neighbor lose his job and have major financial issues? And then all of a sudden, you get an invitation in the post. Hey, neighbor, we're having a a champagne and caviar reception. Do you want to come? You you look at that kind of go, the guy's lost his mind. His house is is underwater. His cars are going to be repossessed. He's just lost his job. How is he going to live? And he's inviting me to a champagne and caviar reception. The guy's lost his ever-loving mind. What's he doing? Your country, whether you like this or not, your country is $20 trillion in debt. We're going to discuss what happened in the financial markets in the next segment. But you're $20 trillion in debt and you're blowing 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 million dollars on a parade? Really? This is what you this is what you want to invest in. You're supposed to be conservative and fiscal conservatives. If you if you have that, that moniker or you believe in that label and you believe in limited government. What part of a 10, 20, 30, 40 million dollar parade screams limited government and fiscal restraint? When you're at any time, but when you're 20 trillion dollars in the hole. But I've heard this argument because I've engaged with some people on social media. Well, John, you just have to honor the vets. Why? You, I thought you loved the vets. I've even had somebody tell me, you don't love the vets, you hate the vets. Really? I don't know any show on The Blaze. I, I know for a fact there's no show on The Blaze. And I don't know many other shows. I haven't listened to everyone, obviously, because there's so many shows out there today. Do you know any other show who, apart from Mark Levin, who salutes the military every show that they do? Every show. Small clip, large clip, full show, special show, and nothing to do with military. We salute them. I am proud to stand with your armed forces. I have many people who have served in many different deployments in many different parts of the, the military. Whether they're Navy, whether they're Marines, whether they're the Air Corps. I am proud to stand with them. But because I'm curious and I always love learning, I reached out to some of my friends this week. I have many friends in the military. I've yet to come across one who served one. That's a great idea. I can't wait. It goes against our very nature. I have yet to meet a military man or woman who has served who went, you know what? I'm wonderful. I'm awesome. I'm great. Honor me. They're actually usually the opposite. They're usually the people who go, yeah, I was in Afghanistan for for three tours and, you know, we all went overseas and uh, I did nothing really. (laughs) I've I've had that many, I I laugh and I I always say, I'm not laughing at you, I'm just laughing at, you know, I went over to Afghanistan, three, four tours and I did nothing really. Dude, there was bullets flying around you, you could have stand on a landmine, you were going to war, you were engaging with people. That's not nothing. They're the exact opposite. But you want to honor the military? I'm all for honoring the military. I want to give you some ideas of, let's honor the military. Because America has done many things right since day one. But since day one you've done one thing horrifically wrong. You have treated your soldiers like crap. So you want to honor the military? I'm all for honoring the military. Let's have some discussions about honoring the military, shall we? I'm going to give you some ideas. How about this? We actually come together as, as people who love the military and even those who don't and say, you know what? Scrap the VA. 
Now, I would say scrap the VA, but I'm an ideologue and an extremist. So how about you? we use more moderate and more relaxing language? We reform the VA. And you install a voucher system for those who serve. Because you have a contract with them that says, you go off and serve wherever we send you, whether it's Germany, whether it's North, South Korea, whether it's Afghanistan, whether it's Iraq, whether it's the Middle East, whether it's Asia. You go off and serve. And if anything happens to you, in the line of duty, we have your back. How about you install a voucher system? I would scrap the VA and install a voucher system. But if you want to reform the VA and install a voucher system, because that's more moderate and more palatable, do it. Where every military man, woman, who serves has a voucher. And they choose the doctor. So the dollar follows them rather than being told they have to go to the VA. Because the VA stinks. You want to honour the military? How about you do that? Or how about this? How about you honour the military? The brave men and women? And give them a pay rise. And secure their pay. Which credit to where credit's due. The GOP and Donald Trump have done this. I think they gave them a 2% raise this year. Credit where credit's due. Hopefully that continues. But understand this. A lot of military pay is still way behind where it needs to be how about this you want to honor the military how about this how about having this conversation hey we've trained you you serve in the american military regardless of the division you serve we trust you with millions and billions dollars worth of equipment we trust you with naval carriers we trust you with migs and m16 we trust you with ar-15s if they use them We trust you with guns, grenades, machine guns. We trust you with all this artillery. And we're going to extend that trust further. Where we're going to allow you carry a sidearm on every base that you're in. Whether you're overseas or whether you're in America. Because what happened in places like Fort Hood must never happen again. How about this? You want to honor the military? How about this? That we actually have a conversation through government, through charities, through the media, through people, about how there's still around 20 people who have served committing suicide every day. How about we have that conversation? You want to honour the military? How about we find that? You want to honour the military? How about we have a discussion about what causes this suicide? What causes a lot of pain and anguish in people who have served? Where they have served all their life on a mission and now they're in civilian life and they feel useless and worthless because they have no more. They no longer have a mission. They feel they have no longer have a purpose. How about we work and find ways to give them that mission and that purpose again? Not sending them overseas to, to fight. They've done their service. But they find ways and we help them find ways to reintegrate them in society and give them a new mission and purpose. Or how about this idea, considering some of the reasons I've heard, and I don't know whether this is true, because it's not come from the administration, but some of the talking heads I've heard have said, this is just a prelude to war. We're just sending, saying to North Korea how strong we are. Okay, how about this, if you really want to honor the men and women who serve? How about this, you scrap the Geneva Convention? That you send the message to the world that we are for our troops no matter what. And that we will not send our boys and girls into war to fight oppression 
oppressive regimes and terrorism with one hand tied behind their back. That we will decide the rules of engagement for our troops, not Geneva and not a convention that was signed, what, 70 years ago? How about you scrap that? You want to honor our men and women? How about doing any or all of these? But then again, what would I know? I only hate the military. You know, I, I, just, I, I just despise the U.S. military. Can you hear it in my voice how much I despise them? How about we have these conversations? But before we have these conversations, how about we do something that we can all do? We can have an understanding that it is not a side game and that it's not one opinion fits all. You can listen to me and be pro-military and pro-parade even after everything I've said, and that's okay. I have no problem with it. I'm, I disagree with you, but I've, and I've tried to make the case for it. But how about we have this understanding where you can be pro-military and pro-parade, but you can also be 100% pro-military and anti-parade. This group thing needs to stop. This idea, this culture of, if you dare have a difference of opinion to me, you're the enemy and you, you're opposite to me. I, I don't get this. If we want to thrive, you as you as you thrive as Americans and I thrive as an Irishman and we thrive as a world, we need to have honest conversations and honest discussions about going forward, even if we disagree 100% with people. But this balkanization and putting people into camps of, well, if you don't support a parade, you, you don't like a military, you, you hate the military, you despise the military. No, I don't. I stand with them 110%. 110%. I, give, I always will honor them and salute them. And this show will always be pro-military. And pro-everyone who serves. That is the ethos and the core of who this show is. But we need to have discussions and actually understand that, that sometimes maybe all of the time, we're going to have to agree to disagree. But just because we agree to disagree does not make you my enemy. Does not make me want to destroy you. And if that's a healthy society that you want to live in, that your kids, you want your kids to live in, what world is, what world is that going to be? What's that world look like? Where you want to destroy or think someone's an enemy just because they have a different opinion of you. Think about that. When we come back, I want to talk to you about the economy and what's actually happening in America this week. Because you've heard a lot of bad news and I'm going to break it down to its simplest core for you. Don't go anywhere, America. We'll be right back. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. Don't miss the morning blaze with Doc. You know, I, you know, I don't write for him. I can't speak I for him. I don't control. I, I just clean. You know that. Well, you're going to sit here while I yell at you for eight minutes. Right? I got eight minutes, Mr. Chairman. Good. Eight minutes. You will listen to what I have to speak because of people. He may have said crapple. People are hurting and you will listen to just eight minutes per senator of that. The morning blaze. Weekday morning, six to nine Eastern on the blaze radio network.
Freedom's Disciple On Demand on the Blaze Radio Network. Thank you so much for sticking with me, America, if you're still with me after the last segment, that is. I want to talk to you about what's happening in America this week from an economic point of view. Because if you've been watching the news very closely, you've heard some very unstable economic news. And there's a lot of stability in the markets. The Dow's had many bad days. And the, the record downs in, in actual terms of points. And there's a lot of skepticism. There's some people out there going, this is the big crash. That, you know, the bubble is over. Bubble is popped. I want to talk to you about why everything is happening and that is happening right now. Because in some ways, that while the timing you're never sure of, it's impossible to predict when it's happening. What's happening is kind of somewhat predictable. And let me explain to you why. If you remember a couple of months ago, and I've done this many times publicly um, on my social media accounts and on, on this show, I think it's foolish for any president, and including President Trump, to base one of the successes of the economy on the stock market. The reason for this is twofold. One, what happens in the stock market generally isn't a reflection of what's happening in the, wor- in, in the economy. For many reasons. Just think of a logistics-wise. One, if you're, take a local mom and pop store, local garage, local hair salon, local small business, local manufacturing company. Is what Apple is doing, or what Disney is doing, does that affect you? If Disney has record profits, or Walmart has record profits, does that affect you in your business? Now, obviously, it might if you're in direct competition with them because you've lost maybe some customers, but in the general scheme of things, does it affect you? Not really. Now, it affects you if you have investment in it or if you have a 401k. Absolutely, it affects you. But basing an economy on 20-plus companies, I think it's actually 30 companies, an economy that has half a million businesses is not really sound logic. But also... It's not sound logic when you understand what makes the stock market tick. In many ways, what makes the stock market tick is sentiment. What they think is going to happen. This is why you have um, companies with their projected earnings and their actual earnings and the stock market responding to it. So you can have have a, a company coming out tomorrow going, well, we're going to project for the next quarter, we're going to have record earnings of a billion dollars and our best prior to that was half a billion that's i'm just giving you simple figures and then the actual results and they go wow they're gonna they're gonna not just have their best ever quarter they're gonna have their best ever quarter by a mile we think that price is gonna go up we're gonna jump on board and then the actual figures come out and they go look our best ever was 500 you know half a billion we projected a billion but we'd missed a billion target we only hit 750 market will go down because of that because they didn't hit what they projected. That's all they'll focus in on. They won't focus in on, wow, you just had your best ever quarter. doesn't matter. It wasn't projected. It didn't hit projections. When you are trading on Wall Street, a large chunk of what you're doing is speculation. It's not what, where the company was. It's not even where the company is. It's where they think they're going to go. And they speculate going forward. Is it good or is it bad? That is what a large amount of companies do. And those who bet on the stock market do the same on the actual indices. Is it going to be good or is it going to be bad? 
Now, what you've had in DC right now, and you've had in the stock market, you've had a co- several things happen for on um, the short term, but also the long term. The sh- long term is, and when I say long term, I mean the last 15, 18 months, and even longer term, eight years, is you've had a constant growth in the market. Any, t- any trader who trades will tell you this. The time to worry is when everyone says it's amazing, it's wonderful, it's great. It's just going up. As someone who's sold investments in the past, I used to sell a long, long time ago. I used to sell overseas property to Irish people. They had, when this is back in uh, mid, uh, mid to late, teen, uh, early 2000s. And I would always have to go to tell people, and I was an honest person as I am, and i tell people, and I'd, they would, I would actually have Irish people laugh at me. They would go on to buy property in Spain or in Portugal or in Cyprus as a holiday home, and then they'd rent it the rest of the year. And I'd have to tell them that, you know what, there is a good chance that your property may go down in value at some point, especially if you're a long-term investor. And they w- I had many people go, <laughs> you're so cute, property going down. No, property can go down. It's not, it, this is not nothing in this world, whether it's property, whether it's investments, whether it's currency, whether it's uh, cryptocurrencies, is always going to go up and have this smooth side up that you're going to invest in it. If it was like that, everyone would do it. Sometimes things go down. If you look at what's happened in the Dow, and I'm going to focus on the economy at large in a minute, but I want to just focus in on the Dow. What's happened is the Dow has had a lot of growth since Donald Trump has come into office. A lot of growth. That bubble has stretched and grown and grown and grown. Eventually, what happens, markets correct themselves. They kind of go, okay, we've overshot and overgrown. Now we need to have a little period where the, we catch up. There's a lot of technical analysis about this. It's where moving averages have to catch up with the trades. And that's a lot of complex theory. I don't want to get into you on this show. Not on this part of the show anyway. So you've seen a massive, in, in relative terms, correction. It's not a bubble, it's not a burst, but it is a correction. Now, what's caused that correction? Markets do not like uncertainty. In many ways, people always thought when Donald Trump got in, there was going to be market correction, there was going to be market um, aspects that you know the market would respond accordingly. Markets had priced Donald Trump in already. When Donald Trump and the GOP finally passed the tax bill, they had priced that in to the market. They priced these things in. They're very astute. They're following the news of the day because they're not looking at a company where it was or the stock market where it was or even where it is. They're looking at where it's going and what they think is going to happen. They're speculating all the time and how people feel. If people feel good about the stock market, they invest. If people feel bad about the stock market, they either get out or they make a, a spread bet on it to go down. That's all it is. It's all speculation, what you feel. So why has the stock market had all these problems this week? Well, there are a couple of reasons. One is there's a bit of uncertainty about the government shutdown. Because I don't know when you're listening to this on Saturday, but there's been a lot of talk this week of government shutdown. Rand Paul did a lot of work in the Senate to, you know, to oppose the spending bill. I don't know how it's going to turn out in the House. I think it will comfortably pass. But there are people who are in economists who actually understand that 
America has problems coming at twenty trillion dollars in debt. America has problems. But also what you have is you have this culture changing. What you have is the Fed are now raising interest rates. So it's a while it's not a shock to the system because they're speculators, it is a change of attitude, it is a change in culture. Because you've had for eight years pretty much very little interest rate hikes. It's been very steady. It's been very consistent. There hasn't even been, you know, under Obama for the longest time, there wasn't even rumors of an interest rate hike. It was very consistent, very steady. There was nothing going on. Now all of a sudden, they're raising it. There are talks of raising it four times this year. Four times. Potentially, that means four changes to the culture. And when I say the culture, I mean the culture of investment. Because each of those interest rates are changing the rate of interest, but also potentially might make it harder for business to invest. It might make it harder for people to stop spending their money. Because I can't get... um, The most important word about the stock market and the economy that I'm talking about right now is how you feel, how you speculate. No one knows we can project it, we can predict it, of if you hit interest rates at this level, you never go past this level because that's when people will stop buying houses. But at the end of the day, we can project it, we can base it on prior knowledge, we can base it on research. We never know. At some point, if it becomes prohibitive for you to buy a house, if interest rates hit a certain level, you just stop buying houses, which will have a major knock-on effect elsewhere. It'll have a major effect in the construction industry. It'll have a major effect on on the, the need for property. It'll have a major effect on rental price. It will affect your lives if people stop buying houses. And it will have a dramatic impact on certain areas of the economy. How do you speculate that? How do you, how do you know how that works out? So what you're seeing right now is a lot of uncertainty. But you're also understanding and seeing a very changing culture of you now have an additional investment of cryptocurrencies. And what I'd ask you to do is just I'm going to try and make this as simple as possible to explain what's happening right now is I'd ask you to think of the American economy has a certain amount of, of dollars. It's worth a certain amount of dollars, right? I'd ask you to equate the American economy to your household budget. Okay? The American economy will always have to spend, as individuals, on certain topics, on certain aspects of your life, like you will. So a large chunk of American business and and money that's made will have to be paid wages, will have to pay taxes, will have to pay... um, will have to pay, you know, um, insurance, light, heat, kind of like you do in your household budget. You know, you might have to make your mortgage payment. There are always certain things you have to do or you can't exist. You have to put food on the table. You have to buy your light. You have to buy your heat. You have to buy your insurance. So basically, imagine all that needs in both your household budget and the American economy. A large chunk of the American dollars that are floating around there for everyone, for rich, poor, and everyone in between. As a good chunk of that has now gone. Then you have to pay your taxes. Another chunk of it's gone. The, the government comes in, you know, your, your federal government, your IRS, your local government, your property taxes. If you have water taxes, if you've been taxed, whatever tax you have, another chunk of the money is gone. So another chunk of the money of your household budget is gone, but also the American dollar chunk of it is gone. And what is left 
in many ways, is called disposable income. It's what you have. You may have a little bit of disposable income. You may have a lot. You may have some. And what happens is, you're fought. Everybody is fighting for that disposable income that you own. Everyone is coming to you, whether you know it or not, saying, spend your dollar with me. Give me your dollar. I want your dollar. What it is up to you is what you do with that dollar. I'm getting to a bigger point just to explain what's happening. So you may as an individual go, I have, and let's just keep it simple, I have $100 disposable every week. If you do, you're fantastic. As someone who understands what's happening in America right now, let me tell you, if you have any disposable income left over, you're in a good position compared to a lot of fellow Americans. But you may decide with that $100, uh, you're going you're gonna to invest it in the 401k. Okay, cool. You may decide that $100, you're going to invest it in your kid's college scheme. Or you're going to save up for a mortgage. Or you're going to save up and buy a car. Or you may go buy a car and that disposable income is now spoken for because you're going to use that as a repayment. $100 a week. Or you may decide, okay, cool, look, we have everything sorted. We have everything paid. That $100, I'm going to spend on fun. I'm going to buy... The, the baseball season has come up. I'm going to buy MLB TV. I'm going to buy a new 40-inch, 60-inch, 70-inch TV for my, for my man cave. Or I'm going to bring my wife out for dinner every Friday night. We're going to go to the cinema. Ever how you spend it. Everyone is fighting for your income. You might buy, save up and buy an iPad. Everyone is fighting for that income. Everyone is fighting for you to say, spend your dollar with me. I need your dollar. I want your dollar. What's happening and what's happened over the last couple of weeks and the uncertainty of the market is the U.S. economy is the exact same way. Everyone is fighting for your dollar. And what you have right now is because a lot of pe- the stock market's gone up, a lot of people are investing in the stock market because they kind of go, the stock market's going up, I'm getting involved. I'm going to invest in the stock market. I'm going to buy some shares. I'm going to increase my 401k. I have some extra tax back. You also have cryptocurrencies in the market where you have all these, you've heard of Bitcoin. You might have heard of the, the other major currencies like, like Ripple and Ethereum and Litecoin. You also, there's a lot of other ones. There's like Monero, there's OMG coin, there's IOTA. There's a lot of other cryptocurrency coins out there that are really cheap. And a lot of people are kind of going, I'm going to buy some of them. I'm going to give some of my disposable income. And I'm going to hopefully hit them, hit the jackpot at one of them. And I might just pay off a chunk of my mortgage. Or I'll have a better life. You also have... The US government has said it's going to need a lot of money. It's going to need a lot of money. Through its budget, but also through Donald Trump's plans in his State of the Union. If you listen to his plans, he announced about $3 trillion worth of new spending. At the max between the infrastructure bill, the maternity and paternity leave, there's a lot of benefit. There's a lot of stuff he wants to get done that's going to cost a lot of money. Now, obviously, it's hard to know because the plans haven't been released and, and when they start and how they start and who's going to pay for it. But also what you have competing for the US dollar economy is people, is bonds. Because the treasury is going to have to fund this somehow. They're going to have to go, hey, you know, even let's just use small amounts. We're going to have to borrow this year, forget Donald Trump's State of the Union address, this year we're going to have to borrow, the figures are hard because the budget has now, 600 million, 700 million, 800 million dollar, billion dollars, 
They have to go and buy that. They have to go raise a bond for that and then get people to buy that bond with a return. So you have all these people competing for your money, for the US dollar. And the US dollar, has on, there's only a certain amount of them. And especially now, the fact that they're no longer printing money. Everyone is competing for that dollar, which is what causes what? Where you have people wanting to buy disposable income, when you want people investing in the stock market, when you have people investing in cryptocurrency, you have people investing in bonds. What happens? Uncertainty. Everyone is competing for your dollar. Some of them are going to have to miss out. And part of what you're seeing in the stock market right now is people kind of going, what happens if we're the one to miss out? What happens if a large people chunk of people say we're going to go, you know, Donald Trump, let's say the Treasury came out with this thing going, and let's just, just put pie in the sky numbers. Donald Trump is going to get his bill passed and he's got it in Congress and he needs a trillion dollars. And he needs a bond, the Treasury needs a bond for a trillion dollars for some part of the budget and some part of the infrastructure project. That's a trillion dollars that could have went to the stock market. That's a trillion dollars that could have been spent on disposable income. That's a trillion dollars that could have been spent on an iPad, on holidays, on your 401k, on your, on your disposable income, in the cinema, meals with your wife, new man, man a big 40-inch screen TV. That is a trillion dollars that people could have spent elsewhere on products and services that is no longer needed. That is not, that's causing uncertainty. And a lot of people are kind of going, uh-oh, what happens? And what happens if America continues on this path? If it keeps growing the deficit? Because here's the other thing that no one, I, I don't think I've heard many people say, and if they have said it, they've said it for the longest time, people like Glenn Beck and Mark Levin. But in the mainstream media, everyone knows this. Even in, in, in Wall Street, everyone knows America is waiting for something really bad to happen. We're just riding the good times out. Because the laws of economics are the same for everyone. There is no such thing as Trumponomics. You may want to call it certain things. There's no such thing. There's no such thing as Obamanomics. There's no such thing as Reaganomics. There is no such thing. It's a fancy label taught up by someone. The laws of economics are the same for you, me, Donald Trump, Barack Obama, Ronald Reagan, George Washington. Heck, the laws of economics are the same for God. They're the same. They don't change. They're like the laws of gravity. They do not change. There's not my laws of gravity and your laws of gravity. The laws of economics are the same. I don't know what the number is, and if I was to bet... I don't know anyone on Wall Street who knows what the number is. But America's hitting a point at 20, you're $20 trillion in debt. At some point, that's going to become a problem. There is no economist who has studied, even forget being an economist, there is no person who understands economics, even 1% of economics who goes, you know what, $20 trillion debt, totally sustainable, totally doable, no worries. So what you're seeing is uncertainty. And the reason I laid out the start of this, stock markets don't do well when it's uncertain. People, when people is uncertain, things bad things happen. It could go up one day, it could go down the next day. 
I don't think this is the crash, but I'm not an economist, so don't base anything I've said on on my opinion on it's not a crash. Don't do anything or take any advice on that. I do have to say that. I'm not an economist. I'm not an investor. I don't give advice, but I don't think it is a crash. I think it's uncertainty. And until the market gets to a point where it gets certainty news, it gets news where whether it's good or bad, whether it gets to a point where it can get stable footing, you're going to have a period of uncertainty. But here's the one thing I will say to you, and I'll finish up on this. This is mindset. As someone who has been around traders, who trade cryptocurrency and who trade the stock market and who trade different shares and, and commodities like gold and silver, they have a different outlook on everything. They actually think generally the opposite to what everyone else thinks. So right now, everyone who's looking at the Dow going down, who's looking at the the traders are looking at this going, this is awesome. This is good. This is a great opportunity. I'll have a small bet on it going down and make some money for my people. And then when it starts going back up, I just got in because when the Dow was at twenty six and twenty seven thousand, they're all like. Oh, it's a bit high. It's a bit stretched. I don't know if I'll be able to invest. I might have missed out on that. Now it's come back. They're like, I'm just waiting to get back in. I've, I've got a second chance to get back in. It's the same with Bitcoin, if you if you trade cryptocurrencies. When it was up at 19,000, there were a lot of people kind of go, 19,000 of Bitcoin? That's, 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 that's heavy. I'm afraid to invest in that. It's back down to what? Seven or eight now? Nine? It's a great chance to get back in. A lot of people, when the time is right, when uncertainty goes away and, and confidence returns and normality returns, a lot of people are going to get back in on Bitcoin going to go, you know what? Even if it just goes back to its prior high and doesn't have a new high, I've, I've got back in at the second floor. I've got a second chance. They always look for the positive. It's actually refreshing to be around some of the traders because they always see things. They're always looking for opportunity. They're not looking for the problem which so many people want to do. They're not looking for the outrage. They're looking, where's the next opportunity? Where, where's the next opportunity? Oh, that's come down. That's come back to where I can go. I can invest in the Dow at 24,000. That's, that's a good investment. 28,000? Ooh, I don't know. 24, awesome. Count me in. Bitcoin at 19,000? Don't know. That's a bit stretched. Bitcoin at 9,000? I'm in. I got a second chance. I'm going to make some more money. So that's my best explain, ex- trying to explain why you've seen what's happening in the world and what's happening in the stock market. Because what's happening in the stock market is also happening overseas. It's happening in the European stock markets. It's happening in Asia. There is a lot of uncertainty right now, and markets don't do well on uncertainty. They need some consistency. We'll see if it comes. We'll be monitoring this, and I'll, I'll maybe talk about this again at a future date. But that's just what's happening in a very simplistic term. Think of the American economy as your household budget. Until next Saturday, I hope this show has given you something to think about. Please share it with your family and your friends. We're on all the the platforms. We're on SoundCloud. We're on iTunes. We're on iHeartRadio. We're on Google Play Music. We're on Stitcher. Please share it, either the full show or, or the short clips. And as always, as someone who... You know, got found out this week as someone who hates the American military. We finish the show the way we always do each and every week. We salute those who serve, the men and women, regardless of their age, regardless of their race or their sexuality or their religion. The brave men and women who serve. Your police, your firefighters, your emergency personnel, and your vets. These are real heroes. And we will always salute them on this show, regardless of what other people think about me. And always remember this. America is great because Americans are good.
That's each and every one of you who listen. That's each and every one of your colleagues, your friends, your family. America is great because Americans are good. Until next Saturday at 12 noon Eastern America, have a beautiful and blessed week. God bless. Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on demand. The Blaze Radio Network. 